Hey everybody, God bless you and welcome to the Church of Jubilee podcast. My name is Pastor Jonathan and uh, I just want to welcome you this week to today's sermon, the word of our testimony. You know, I want you to think about something for a moment and reflect, how do you handle adversity? How is it that you handle the hardships that come your way? In other words, when you're going through hard times, how do you respond? Because it's easy to worship God when things are going our way. But when things don't go our way or we find ourselves in a trial or tribulation, how do you respond? Because we should be responding as Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, they began to, they were beat and they were accused, but they began to give glory to God. They sang hymns and they were able to just give praise to God to where the prisoners that were around them were listening. Uh, they were listening to Paul and Silas give praise in the midst of their trial. And, uh, you know, God does something specifically through this whole entire situation that through their testimony by what they had been doing during the time that they were locked up in prison, uh, it was the word of their testimony that the jailer and his family were to come to Christ because of their example, because of the testimony they set. I encourage you to, you know, think about that for a moment. What type of testimony do you have? Do you have a testimony that honors and gives glory to God? Or does your testimony say, I failed and I serve on halftime God? Whatever the case may be, I encourage you to seek God and to get right with God and to know that God wants you to have a testimony so that the word of God where it says, and they shall overcome by the word of their testimony in the book of Revelation. And uh, we want you to overcome. We want to be able to overcome because of the word of the testimony and the blood of the Lamb. I pray that this week's message may bless you. Please share it with somebody who needs to hear it. There is somebody out there other than yourself that needs to hear this. Get it to them. Um, just share the link. And uh, as always, thank you for tuning in. God bless you. And please let us know. Drop a comment in there uh, when you can. Let us know what you think. God bless you. The book of Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 40. Let us stand in reading and reverence for the honor and glory of God. Like I said, it's going to be a lot. Bear with me. We're going to read through this together. Here it goes. Verse 16 says, And now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Stop right there. I want you to know something. Divination is like a fortune telling, like a psychic. Um, it's, a, it's that kind of work of acts. Okay. And it, and it works in that manner of the flesh. But she brought her masters much profit by doing this job. Okay. Keep that in mind. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are of the most high God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. But Paul greatly annoyed, turned to her and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hopes of profit, everybody say profit, their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, meaning these guys are a problem for our cities, what they're saying. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten. Everybody say beaten. They were to be beaten by rods. 
and when they had laid many stripes, stripes are the beatings and the whips that they took, those the marks that they leave, after they had many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a change, he put them in the inner prison, fastened in their feet in the stocks. Hallelujah. Verse 25, we're coming close to the end. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. Look to your neighbor and say, praying and singing hymns. Amen. And that the prisoners were listening. Look to your neighbor and say they were listening. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened from the sleep and seeing the prison doors open. Supposedly the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul, with a loud voice saying, said, do you now do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe. Everybody say believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and your household then they spoke of the word of the Lord to him and all that were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Everybody say baptized. Now when he had brought them to the house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God and his household. You may have receipts giving glory to God. Hallelujah. That was a lot of scripture that we just read. And you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't think I was going to read so much. But it's a story that we're hearing that Paul and Silas is, is it's, it's about Paul and Silas and the apostles talking about it. And he's saying that just for a moment, you know, I want you to just sit there and think about something. This, the crime that these young men were, uh, these prophets of God, these apostles that they were committing was really nothing that you and I um, would look at and say, they did nothing wrong in our days. Um, because what they were doing is they had this this divination, this woman that had a spirit, and and you know the word of God says that this that Paul was greatly annoyed, which means I can imagine that everywhere Paul went, this lady was like, this is the guy right here, this right here, and this other apostle, these are true men of God, you know, and being obnoxious and loud and and boisterous, and you know, she, I can imagine that she got him annoyed because she was always the loudest one trying to declare how great they were. Amen? So if you think about it for a moment, you know, it had to get to a certain point to where the Bible says that Paul was greatly annoyed, okay? And, and I want you to remember that because most of the time when we're in our lives, we have those annoying people. Amen? We have people that get on our nerves or that just really just, uh, uh, you know, frustrate us. Hallelujah. But I want you to see how these, how these men end up turning out to the story. So I, I want you to also think for a moment and reflect about something. You see, Paul and Silas were imprisoned. They weren't just imprisoned, though. They were beaten. They were accused of something that, that was a crime, quote, unquote, a crime. Um, they were accused of something, but yet they, were, they really didn't have, they had not broken a, a law. Doesn't it kind of remind you of Jesus Christ? Whenever he, uh, you know, was on earth, what did he do? He healed people. He delivered people. He ate with sinners. He, he never really would, he didn't break any law, but they accused him of breaking the law. Why? Because it was against their standards that they had, against of what they, what they, know, what they were trying to do. And this, what happens in this situation is that this, this young lady, this uh, sorceress is making profit for this master. 
and these apostles come up and they rebuke the spirit and they get mad because why? Because she's not going to make money from them anymore. End of story, right? She's not going to make any money. But I want to ask you today, how do you handle adversity? How do you handle the hardships that come in your life? Hallelujah. Because there's a, a, a certain point from this scripture that we must read and understand. There's not, it's just not just a story that the apostle wanted us to know. There was a lesson and a point behind what we have to know from Paul and Silas. Hallelujah. And when you are going through those hard times, I want to ask you, I want you to ask yourself as well, how do you respond? How do you respond when you're going through a difficult moment, hallelujah, when the, when the world looks like it's all sinking in sorrow, hallelujah, and it's all sick and sad, and your world's falling apart, hallelujah, and relationships are falling apart, and families are falling apart. How do you react? Because the way you react in your adversity determines the character you have in Christ. Amen? How do you handle the hardship, the difficult times? How do you respond? Because let me just share something. It's easy to worship God when things are going smoothly. When you have money in the bank, you're, you're getting a good paycheck, everybody's cool with you, everybody's nice, you're getting along with everybody. Man, we'll, sh we'll shout hallelujah to the highest every day. But what happens when we are accused by the accuser, hallelujah, the accuser being Satan, when he comes up and says, what makes you better than anyone else? What makes you think that God loves you? What makes you think that you can be forgiven? Hallelujah. What makes you think that you're living the way God designs you to live? Because it's easy to worship God when things don't go our way. So here we have the word of God says that the prisoners were listening to them sing hymns. Amen. And praises. Can you imagine that? These guys have just got them beat. They've been accused of doing absolutely nothing, really, besides casting out a spirit. But these people lost money, so they're like, I'm going to bring a case against you. You're going to pick up a case, and now you're going to be serving time for that case. Put yourself in that situation. How would you react? You just got They're taking you to jail for an accusation. How do you react to that? Because if you're like most of us, we're going to be like, first of all, I am not guilty. I am innocent. And we're going to probably try to fight our way out. Amen? But Paul and Silas didn't fight. You notice the first thing they started doing? They started singing hymns and praises. They started giving glory to God. Hallelujah. They were very well, of a, were, these, these prisoners were aware of, these, of the singing and the praising. And, and instead of Paul and Silas complaining, they were doing something that confused their minds to a certain point. Like how could you be singing and praising God and giving them hymns if you just got locked up and beat? And you think we have it bad, amen? But I want you to, I want to kind of, on the contrary here, what if they would have been cursing? Cursing at the magistrates and, and, and you know, and really just cursing themselves and just throwing a fit like most of us would have. What if they would have been complaining, hallelujah, and, and, and saying like, where's our God? And why, and how come God's not with me? And how come he doesn't listen to me? And why, why oh, if we're doing his job, and his work in the kingdom of God, why are we having to be imprisoned and beat? What did I do wrong, God? Where are you, God? What's happening, God? Amen? Doesn't that sound familiar? Don't, don't we all act like that sometimes? Come on, we can be real. We can be real. Uh, we all have those moments. God, where are you? God, my world's falling apart, God. I'm a Christian. Why do I have to go through this, God? I'm a believer, God. I'm a pastor, God. Why do I have to go through certain things in my life, God? 
But Paul and Silas said, we ain't going to waste time on that. But as a matter of fact, we're going to start praying right now and singing and giving glory to God. Because in their adversity, they chose to give honor and glory to God. They chose to say, instead of complaining, we're going to uplift him. Hallelujah. Instead of complaining, we're going to give him praise. Hallelujah. And I, I believe that they didn't even care who was listening. But in the midst of all that, that is happening, there's some prisoners saying, what is wrong with those guys? Do you hear what they're singing? They're saying, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> they're singing praises to God. Are they crazy? But the more, I believe the more it happened, the more they listened and said, wow, wow, these men are truly not even guilty like we are, and they're praising God. What about the jailer? He had one job to do. He, he, they, they placed Paul and Silas, by the way, in the inner section of the jail, which means he was not, there was no way that he was going to be able to get out. They weren't going to be able to get out. They can't escape because uh, basically it's like enclosed, like in, think of a jail, and you're in the middle of the jail with all the concrete around and all that. I don't know how the walls were back then, but I can tell you that he was very secured. And then they, they got their feet in stocks so they really couldn't even move or walk to go and run. Okay? So you must know that this jailer, the one job they said is, watch these guys, they're not allowed to escape. But then something happens in the night when they were singing praises and they were giving glory to God. There's an earthquake and long story short, it breaks the chains and the stocks and it breaks the walls. Hallelujah. And then this man, this jailer, is, is, he feels like he has failed because his one duty was to save, uh, to prevent these guys from escaping. Hallelujah. But then what happens is that he's about to kill himself because he felt like a failure. Can I just tell you that in your failures, God will see your greatness? Amen. Can I just tell you that the moment you think that you're going to fail, just when you're about to give up and throw in the towel, God comes in and says, hey, 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 relax. I got you. Hallelujah. You don't believe me? That's what happened to the jailer. He was about to kill himself, about to take his life because he had failed. Hallelujah. But God used this moment the way he uses many moments in your life. Hallelujah. Those times that you were about to give up. Those times that you had to give encouragement, uh, an encouraging word to somebody before they were going to give up. That you encouraged them. And it was that moment that God stepped in in that dark moment for them. And he said, I am still God and I am will be in control and I will love you. Amen. God used the moment of failure, huh. failure to bring forth salvation. The moment of failure was probably the greatest moment in this man's life. Why? Because in the process he found God. Hallelujah. And if your failures don't take you to God, you're headed down the wrong path. Because when we fail, when we go through things, we have to go back to God. We have to. The word of God says that not only him, it was saved, but it was his family, his entire household. Hallelujah. It says he believed, and then shortly thereafter, he was baptized. When you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you tell the world, I am now born again. Hallelujah. I now have taken the oath to pledge to God that I will now fulfill your word, God. That's what baptism is all about. So back to the point. I've entitled my message, The Word of Our Testimony. Because the eyes of the world are upon you. Whether you like it or not, there's somebody watching you. Especially because they know you believe in God. 
And they say, how does Brother Freddie act when he's not around his Christian brethren? How does he act? Hallelujah. How does, how does Pastor John act when he's not in front of a congregation? How does he think? What does he say with his mouth? Is he one of us? Or is he truly a leader? Is he a follower? Or does he lead? Does he partake in everything we do to look like us? Or is he different? Because eyes are watching you. Just the way that the prisoners were watching Paul and Silas, they were in a critical moment where they were watching them and saying, what are they doing? They're praising and singing hymns to God. Because they were looking at how they reacted. They were looking at how they were talking. They were looking at how, what they were doing. Hallelujah. And let me just share with you that there are eyes that are on you that are looking at you saying, how does he react? How do they live? How do they think? How do they speak? How do they, what, how do, they do everything? Because I'm watching to see if they are truly believers in Jesus Christ. Which means when those difficult moments come around, do they really worship God? Or are they quick to say, I give up? I believe that Paul and Silas' testimony at that moment was being tested. Hallelujah. That because they could have done the other route that we probably would have taken. I would probably have been the same way. I would have probably been really upset and really angry. But they could have taken that path, but they didn't. While they were whipped, beaten, and jailed, they didn't sit there and, and get upset and question why. Instead, they said, God, I know you're going to provide a way. You're going to get me out of here. And I know somewhere, somehow, if you don't, either if you don't do it, I'm still going to give you praise. They could have been questioned and upset, questioning God, but they didn't. I hope you're understanding what I'm trying to say today. The person that you are behind closed doors is the person that God knows. But that's the true character of you. Because you can come up here, I can come up here, talk to Brother Monroe. Hey, bro, how you doing, Pastor? Oh, man, I'm on the highest cloud nine mountain, a cloud up there on the highest mountain. And at my house, I can be completely miserable. Amen? But God knows that. God knows who I am. And you see, I have to, we have to live that walk. And the reason I say I as well is because we have to walk in the spirit to where people look at us and say, man, are they really praising God? They just, they just went through a hard time. They just lost somebody they loved, but yet they're praising God. That's amazing. We find another situation where the accuser, who was the accuser? Satan, right? The enemy. We find another section in the book of Revelation. The word of God speaks about the accuser. So, by the way, Revelation is the end book of all. It is the final book of the, of the Bible. And it talks about a lot of what's to come, the, the tribulation, the, the millennial, when God wins. At the, if, you, if you could summarize that chapter, I mean that whole entire book, in the end, God wins. That's basically the, the summarization of it, okay? But we find out that there's an, there's an accuser, and, and the word of God was speaking about this accuser, and it says that because, of the, because they had been, he had been taken down, the enemy had been thrown down, he had been stripped of all his power, he had been reduced to nothing, and God is about to put him in his eternity, which is a burning lake of fire. Okay, I'm not going to go too much into detail of that. But I want you to know that no matter what you face in your life, in the end, the devil will lose. 
okay? Jesus will win. That's what you got to get right off the bat because that's going to help you get through some things in your life. Sometimes you're going to go through some hard moments, but you got to praise through those moments. You got to give glory to God through those moments because in the end, the devil loses and Jesus wins. Amen. Give the Lord of all the applause for that. Hallelujah. He deserves that. Hallelujah, Jesus. The word of God encourages all of heaven. In that, in that chapter, chapter 12, he encourages all of heaven to rejoice because it says we have overcome. The word of God says this. Go to the Bible. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 real quick. Hurry, go real quick with it. It's the very end of the Bible. If you have a physical Bible, it's the last book. The book of Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. There's something important that I want you to get. I'm, I'm preaching on the testimony here today. It says this, the book of Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him because the blood of the Lamb. Who was the blood? Jesus Christ. And because the word of their testimony. Everybody say, word of their testimony. Word of their testimony. They did not love their life even when faced with death. What is that scripture saying? Is that we will overcome. Why? Because Jesus Christ redeemed himself on the cross, that innocent lamb that he was. And because the word of our testimony, your testimony has power. Hallelujah. We just testified earlier that there were two people that were praying for Jesus to do something great. And God did it. Hallelujah. That's going to encourage someone else to say, hey, if God did it for them, he can do it for you too. Hallelujah. If God is moving in this person's life, he can move in yours too. Hallelujah. And if God be God, then he'll be God in your life. Hallelujah. He'll love you like a son that you never, you know, had. He'll love you like a father you never had. He'll love you like a mother you never had. Because that is the God that we serve. Hallelujah. Amen. But it is the word, the spoken word of our testimony that's going to draw people to God. Then God is going to use that so that one day we will overcome by the word of our testimony. Yeah, Pastor John had some struggles. Yeah, he went through some difficult moments. He committed this sin. He committed that sin. He went through some hard times. But let me tell you about what God has done in his life ever since then. The to be continued is greater than what has already happened. Hallelujah. And I'm encouraging you today because your testimony will speak volumes to people. Your testimony will say, hey, what church do you go to? Because I've seen your life and I've seen the, how you just, you're just different. And I want some of that. And where does it lead? Back to God. They were overcome him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of our testimony. This is why Paul and Silas had a testimony in the prison. They had a testimony that said, hey, we're, not, we're being prosecuted for some, something bogus, but we're going to praise God in the midst of it all. Because I know that the, their testimony is, is being uh, you know, publicized to the entire prison, hallelujah, that at the end of it all, guess who wins? God, Jesus wins. Amen? The word of your testimony. So I want you to self-reflect real quick. Come back. Does your testimony show God winning in your life? Hallelujah. What kind of God do you think people think about when they look at you? Do they think that you have a half-time, part-time God? That only when you do good things and you're always, you know, and you're in your good moments that God works? Do they only hear you praise during those moments? Or do they know you that even in the difficult moments you're giving praise to God? You're thanking God. Do you understand that praise, when you praise in those trials, 
it confuses the enemy, like it drives him nuts. Because he wants you to curse God. He wants you to go against God. But when you say, thank you, Jesus, for, for the struggles I'm going through today. Thank you, Jesus, for the trials I've had to go through. He's like, what in the world is going on with that guy? How could he be thanking God after I just did this in his life? Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. What does your test and your trials produce? What type of character do you produce, hallelujah, in those moments where you're, you're tested, hallelujah, in those moments where your, your adversity is being tested, where the hardships have come your way, hallelujah, and it's not all a, a nice, easy, you know, green pasture. When your character is stretched and squeezed, what type of testimony comes out? Because that's what people are looking at. Can Brother Raul recover? Can Sister First Lady Erica, can she recover? Can Sister Rachel, can God still do something in her? I'm going to give you some illustrations. A carrot. Everybody knows what a carrot is, right? Okay. Just making sure. I'd be worried if you didn't. I'd be telling you to eat some nutrition, some nutritious vegetables. A carrot starts off firm. Right? Real hard, real firm. And it's a very good size. But when it reaches a boiling point, it becomes soft and mushy. Amen? Think about what I just said for a moment. A carrot is super firm. The character on the carrot is very firm. It's very, you know, it's hard. It's good. But then it gets applied some boiling water, some pressure of water. And at that pressure moment, it, it, it kind of like just goes soft and it becomes mushy. Hallelujah. And, and this is the way sometimes some of us have react to life circumstances. We go through some hard times, hallelujah, that we become soft and mushy. We become, you know, like a carrot. And we're, and we're getting smushed and we're getting stepped. On. And, and, and we're getting it because we don't have, you know, that God, that, that desire to say, I got to be stronger. I got to get my testimony in order. Hallelujah. Are you a carrot? So when things get really hard, you crack under pressure. You, you, you get all smushy and I can't do this and I, I quit. Are you a quitter? This is a self-reflection moment. Or are you like an egg? You have that hard outer shell, hallelujah. You have the hard outer shell, and the inside is all nothing but good. It gets to the hard point, and, and, and you, get, you, know, you boil the eggs. And for those of you who know that you boil eggs, what happens in the middle? It becomes a solid. You harden your heart. Are you an egg? When you go through those trials, when you go through some hard moments, when you're going through some things in your life, does that, are you that outer shell, you're hard, and in, inside you become bitter and hard. Nah, I don't care about God. He would have never put me through this. So you got a carrot, you got an egg. I'm using some crazy analogies here, okay? But there's one that I do like. I'm going to give you this one right here. Because it's one of my favorites. Or are you like the coffee bean? Yeah, I know a lot of us love coffee. Coffee bean, you can relate to this. The coffee bean, the coffee bean starts off hard, amen? It's a hard piece. It's not ground yet. It's just a hard bean. Hallelujah. 
And, and what happens is that when it reaches the boiling point, it cracks, okay? It cracks and, it's, and it cracks, but something happens when that, when that coffee bean begins to crack under pressure, hallelujah. Not only does it completely change the water, the color of the water that it's in, hallelujah, but it also pr produces, it carries a pleasant aroma, hallelujah, that you can smell and be like, man, that smells good. That's a great that cup of coffee, hallelujah. Amen? What are you today is how you determine, determines how you act in your testimony. Are you the carrot that you crack and you get soft and you get mushy and you want to quit? Or do you become the, the egg that becomes very hard? You go through some hard times, you hate the world and God. Or do you, are you like the coffee bean that God says, man, this smells good, hallelujah. This is a great cup of coffee right here, hallelujah. Because in your testimony, it reflects Jesus Christ. It reflects that God wins. Hallelujah. So how do you handle the life's boiling points? How do you handle the pressure that's on you? Hallelujah. What type of reaction, you know, do you produce? Because the word of God says that we shall overcome by the word of our testimony. You have to have a test to get to the testimony. Hallelujah. Does your, does, your, does your testimony, does it really reflect that God is winning in your life? Does it show it? Not just say it. You know, people don't want to just hear about a church. They want to see a church in you. They don't want to just hear about a revival. They want to see a revival in you. They don't want to just hear about a God that loves if you can't demonstrate God in your life. Hallelujah. They don't want to just talk. You don't want to talk to them about having fun when their world, the way of having fun, is out there being lost somewhere on some kind of alcohol. Think about that, hallelujah, because your testimony is crucial in life. People, most of the time, will want to hear what you have to say rather than read it in here first. They're going to be attracted to what you say. I guarantee you, Sister Ashley, when she goes and talks to her family, when Brother Monroe goes and talks to his family, he says, yeah, we went to church. Oh, yeah, what kind of church is it? And then they, they give their description of what they've been feeling in Christ. I guarantee you it just raises like, oh, interesting. Because it's their testimony. Because they have credibility with those people. You have people that you have credibility with. But how we choose to use our testimony determines how to the capacity that God uses us. Amen? So when what captured the attention of the prisoners, and I'm coming to a close very soon. We can get the children. What captured the attention of the other prisoners was the praising and singing of hymns while they had been accused, beaten, jailed. And their testimony truly was before everybody. And everybody wanted to see how these two disciples that served their almighty God, the Messiah, how could they be in prison and what was going to happen when they were in prison to what God was going to do in their life. I use some interesting examples to give to you because it's so simple to relate to. The carrot, the egg, and the coffee bean. Something so simple, but there's meaning. You have to be willing to have the testimony. You have to be willing to know that Paul and Silas, just like they did, you have to go to God. 
you have to go to God. When it gets hard, you go to God. You pray to God. When it, gets, when it goes easy, you thank God, you praise God. When it's not so easy, you thank God and praise God. When you're fighting with so-and-so, you thank God and praise God. Why? Because in the end, God will win. Hallelujah. If you remain in Christ, which means you stay plugged into Christ, he will win in your life no matter what you face. Hallelujah. Let us stand. The word of our testimony. Hallelujah, Jesus. You know, it's easy to look at somebody and say, wow, man, you know, they, they got it going on. They're looking good. They're, you know, in terms of their life, it's set. They got this, they got that. It looks good and it looks great. But we never know the true story behind that. We don't know how many of them had to go through some hard moments. Hallelujah. They had to go through some difficult times. Some of them even say, hey, man, I, you know, I had to go through, I went through, I went through hell and I had to come back. You don't ever know. But one thing that will stand in their lives is their testimony. Because once God brings them like he did Paul and Silas, the word of God talks about that the jailer and his family said, I want to know the God that you serve. <laughs> I want to receive the God that you serve. The guard that was set to guard him and to keep him from escaping said, I, I got to know who that is that you serve. How in the world did this happen? Whatever, whatever power, whatever, the, I want to know what that is. Hallelujah. You can't win someone's confidence and preach to them if you're in the same boat as them. You can't influence anybody if you're in the same situation they are. You have to be a leader and say, I got a testimony. I'll tell you what, brother, I'm going to make it out of here, I promise you. How are you going to do that? I don't know, but I know my God is more than capable. If Paul and Silas believed in God and God delivered them in the prison that was so secure and he saved people through it, God can do it for me. Hallelujah, Jesus. You have to know that there are eyes on you. There are people watching you. You, you never know. You, you would be surprised to the people that are watching your moves. They're watching your step. They want to know how does Thea, how does Theo, how does, um, how does dad, how does mom, how does cousin, how do they react? How does big sister, how does big brother, how do they react? Because that's what they're going to want to do. And in the way your testimony ministers to them. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to ask that you, as you are there standing, that you just begin to reflect. Hallelujah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm open up this altar here. I'm going to open it up. If you need prayer, if you have a special prayer you want, and there's something you've been asking God, come up here so we can pray for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm -hmm.